0: You're listening to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States. Here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined as always with, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan Fried in Houston. Josh Redland is behind the camera, hanging out in the comments section on YouTube here, so be sure to hit him up with your questions, comments, thoughts, and general abuse. So, fellas, how was your week? Um, specifically,
1: the abuse. <laughs> the abuse. Uh, you know, uh, for when it comes to major league rugby, it was, uh, some pretty good stuff. I-, I gotta say, uh, but, uh, in regards to everything else, spring break. So grad school, uh, was, I got to, got to watch 10 rugby matches over the weekend and four baseball games. So got after it. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say we're completely covering college rugby, but we were around, and, uh, you know, I, I wonder about the D1A rankings. I sent an email in and said, hey, how do we get a vote? Because, you know, there's a team in, like, the mid, like, f- between 15 and 20 that is ranked, that has only played one collegiate fixture. And then we've got some other teams with winning records that aren't in the top 25. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but Grand Canyon... Thumped San Diego State. Uh it was like 86 to 10. When I went to that game, that was pretty good to see. Especially them rebounding from a similar number, but given to them by St. Mary's. It was like 82 to 17 in the favor of St. Mary's College, which is number one in D1A, I think.
2: Nice, nice. Well. I, I haven't really been able to catch up on a lot of college rugby lately. It just makes me nostalgic for that life I left behind a few months ago. But other than that, though, uh, I've had a pretty busy couple of hours. Uh, the team did around 3 o'clock, and so I wasn't able to get a hold of the footage until 5 o'clock. And so uh, up until about 20 minutes ago when I joined on to – our video chat i've just been editing game film first for our game versus seattle and then i'm editing utah versus rooney uh ahead of our utah match that's coming up um i still got a little bit of that to go so it's going to be a long night after this uh podcast concludes
0: well we appreciate you being here liam thanks for giving up some of your free time for that or i do like, no free time yeah. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Well, for those of you who are new to the podcast, we do this every single Monday night here on YouTube, uh, where we discuss news, rumors, and all things Major League Rugby, which is the United States Professional Rugby Union. It gives us the chance to talk through the issues, hear from the league, players, teams, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene, which I think we've talked about this before, but we haven't been doing a great job checking in with people this season. Maybe uh, second half here, uh, we need to make some calls and see if we can get some guests on now and then. Anyway, with all that said, Aaron, what are we talking about this week?
1: Well, on the weekend, uh, the America's Rugby Championship wound down, New York traveled to Utah uh, in dominating fashion, Austin Elite continues to sort of founder, except, you know, they, they did show some life this week, unlike last week. Uh, And then Houston, uh, what I have to say is probably their best game of the season. Really just couldn't close it out. And Toronto uh, upset San Diego Legion. Uh, They scored 24 points in a row. Jeez. That
0: was a heck of a comeback. We'll go through that one for sure. Yeah, so – If we start things off, I think we should probably hit on Friday night's uh, wrap-up of the ARC, where the U.S. uh, managed to squeak past Canada uh, in Seattle. It was a Canadian home game on U.S. soil, so you can take from that what you want. Um, But from the sounds of it, Canadian Hate Week worked. Uh, It took literally all game for the U.S. to manage... uh, managed to win the game. They finally scored near the death thanks to a line break by Mikey Teo and a try from uh, Ruben De Haas. The Eagles uh, finished the ARC with a 3-2 and two record. They scored wins over Canada, Brazil, and Chile and uh, suffered losses to Uruguay and Argentina 15s. So, Aaron, talk us through the Can-Am match.
1: Uh, you know, it's it's one of those games where you're just like... Uh, I guess, I, I guess you know. We talked about the World League last week, and uh, to really sort of touch on that, because World Rugby put out their little video last week to make it all look like spiffy and try to say, "Hey, we're going to have promotion and relegation. Please, please, do not, do not break out your spear and try to roast us." Like, and really, it was in this. In can this you yoga. can you do the rest of the show in that voice? <laughs>
2: Well, I'll vend you like 10 bucks right now if you just
1: keep it up. Uh, And then, you know, because everyone wanted to like roast world rugby last week and it was just rather hilarious, Uh, but it it got worse sort of in that, well, if it went the way it was going to, I mean, Canada's current world ranking would actually put them in the competition with us in the same division and gosh but where they placed them originally put them in division three and I think that's a really detrimental view of you know not this series but uh, that you would just destroy regional rivalries if teams weren't all in tier one so uh, and and as we see you know sometimes the Canadians have risen to the occasion even though we remain, uh, undefeated in this series with, I think, two draws since 2013. But we have not lost a single match against Canada since 2013. They rose to the occasion. It, it was a bit of a nail-biter. Our our scrummaging was better. But we still had a lot of issues on defense. Our set piece continues to need some work in the lineup. We, uh, it was very combative. Uh, it was good to see Ben Landry come back and get to work in the set piece. It was uh, I think we've been missing uh, a second threat. Uh, in throughout this, uh, this whole tournament, because we really haven't had uh, the chance for Nick Chavetta and Greg Peterson to gel uh, together at times, so that uh, Ben Landry put in a lot of work. Uh, on the weekend uh, performances that stand out uh, Hinko Hamish man His work rate is just a bit wild. When you think about it, uh, the side that started uh, was built off the side that, you know, had a bad match against Uruguay. Some guys were cut. Uh, they did that. They, they did not perform well. And you probably know who those are. If you compare the match rosters, one of the great things uh, about this weekend is we're really seeing a young prop uh, blossom in David Aunu, who is in the Toulouse Academy. And I was talking with someone about what he's been doing. And I said, is he going to be able to get enough senior match time? Because if you look at where we are at loose head prop, you know, not only could he be on the squad, which I think he's he's gonna be on the squad, but based on who else we have playing a lot of loose head prop at test level, it's Chance Wingleski as the other guy. And then you know, and he's in college, right? So you look at, uh, Ayunu has played in the top 14. Uh, I think he's played two or three times, and he had a 40-minute shift in the Champions Cup, which, so he, he can carry the ball. He can scrum. He's, like, he's, he's in a great environment. Like, when he's not playing with uh, the senior side, he's with the Espoir uh, side in the Espoir League, and uh, it it really shows you the quality of coaching and the quality of competition that he's been getting uh, in France for Stade Toulouse uh, and what he was able to do in these last two tests. Uh, I understand using our kicking game to play field position, and this time we executed pretty well compared to when we played Uruguay, but one thing I saw Canada do often was run their attack, and maybe that's because they didn't have confidence in their own kicking game and that wasn't part of their game plan, because we've really seen them struggle at times uh, with that. Uh, our ball handling again was pretty bad, especially in the second half. When you look at how much possession we had in the final thirty minutes, it was pretty much in Canada's half the whole whole way. Uh, you knew eventually uh, we would break that wall, and you know, but we kept coughing it up. I, I, you know, someone said, you know, based on where Canada was, I'm kind of surprised that uh, they didn't win it in the last two minutes of the game, but. Like I said, in the final thirty minutes of that game, I think we had it eighty-five percent, so something like twenty-seven minutes. I think my beer math is correct. Uh, we were in their half, and we were close. And you, Ruben De Haas's ball out of a ruck, like his service out of the breakdown is insane. It's super flat and it's super fast. So you better be willing to catch that ball and not cough it up. And you know, we when we didn't. We were able to break the game line. When we did cough the ball up, uh, it gave Canada possession and they were in position. Uh, there was a bad tactical decision with uh Will McGee, uh, you know, and Captain Blaine Scully saying, yeah, let's kick it. But was it really a bad tactical decision? I think he took a little bit too much stick for this. Uh, you know, two inches, uh was, I guess three inches to the left, and you get the pet like the penalties converted. So for want of four inches. Like he had the range. It didn't go wide right. It just it it nicked the nicked the goalposts. Uh and we didn't get it, but it really didn't matter because we won by five points uh with a critical try uh to end it. So uh when it comes to Canada, I know our our friend uh Brian Ray at America's Rugby News will be saying, Hey, they were they were under strength and you guys were mostly at full strength. but, but well, no, he's he's not going to say that. But he said, basically, and that, that has more to do with our depth and Canada's non-depth, uh, that uh, you take away six guys from Canada, which, you know, I, I think the difference makers for them, really, a DTH Vandermeer, he's out injured. I, I don't, based on the injury, Vandermeer is probably not available until uh, after World Cup arm-ups, well, after the PNC. So that would give him maybe one match to warm up for the World Cup. And then Tyler Ardrin and Evan Olmstead, Evan Olmstead couldn't knock on with uh, the uh, Auckland Blues. He was in their extended uh, training squad. So kind of like a practice player that you have in, uh, practice squad player that you have in the NFL, but just couldn't, they just weren't able to sign him. And he's now with Newcastle, but, you know, to an extent, you know, this guy was available for Kingsley to call up and Kingsley should have called him up. Whereas Tyler Ardern is basically a starter uh, where he's at and getting him called up out of super rugby uh, could negatively affect his pro career, but he will be available for the Pacific nations cup. So those are your three like big difference makers and Brett Bukabom. Also, uh, you know, he, he is a very high level player plays in the championship. He, he would have been available So I don't know where, what (laughs) I really don't know what Kingsley's process was for this. And if it was to develop depth, well, you know, you've only got so many games until the world cup and the, the difference in process for us versus them is Gary gold is about consistency and getting your lineup as consistent as possible. So if you don't have a consistent lineup that you will use at the World Cup, you won't be able to identify your holes. Hey,
2: man, as, as long as we got that Can-Am trophy, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. You know, like if, if we're not going to be winning the ARC, there has to be some sort of consolation prize for the United States. We have to feel like we're winning something. So, that t- hey, we beat Canada.
1: That trophy is one of the coolest rugby trophies I've seen out there, at least contested against... The United States versus anyone, because there really aren't that many cool ones. But as far as you know what a trophy is concerned, it's you know it's a really cool trophy to have, and you know it's a nice aesthetic. It's a it's a nice aesthetic. I like <laughs> it.
0: Okay, quick pop quiz: trophy or plate or shield? Or shield? she? I was gonna say shield, shield or <laughs> plate.
2: Yeah, what, uh, What's I mean, your preference? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I totally prefer a tro- trophy. I guess I'm old school like um, that, you know, but at least you can hollow with a fucking shield. I, with a shield.
1: Sorry. Uh, <laughs> cup. A cup, because you can drink out of it. However, if the trophy is dope, uh, like the Canam trophy or the Asian Five Nations trophy, if anyone wants to look up one of the coolest rugby trophies out there that we don't compete for... Asian Five Nations is a great trophy. It's got a bunch of dragons on it. It's it's really good. Cool.
0: <laughs> that sounds awesome. The second game of the weekend, let's uh, take us on to Saturday. Uh, was Austin traveling up to? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we gotta we gotta back up. Oh crap! I missed an entire game there. <laughs> let's try this again. The Dude's second game know. of the weekend was Rooney traveling to Utah to face off against the Warriors. The third game of the
2: weekend was... In in, in the script, you say Rooney lays the smackdown on the Warriors. I like that a lot better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that's an accurate description. (laughs) Rooney pretty much brought it. And, uh, uh, you know, it was another round of snow rugby over in Utah, although not nearly the whiteout conditions that we saw last week liam Mm -hmm. uh rooney traveled to utah for a friday night game uh, and they had no problems downing the warriors 47 to 21 uh so liam you want to lead us off with kind of telling us what uh you saw uh
2: yeah so uh like i said at the beginning of the show i was just uh editing this game before i signed on um one thing i noticed that is a utah they have this really weird habit of looking good while getting absolutely like nothing done. You know, and and like I know some of the guys on that team. I don't want to put them down, but you know, like you you have like you know you have Vanicolo like you know ev- every single game putting on some crazy ass footwork, but nothing ever seems to get accomplished. Uh, you know, like it's it's a pretty inefficient you know uh, you know you know offense like in in a, in a lot of respects. But goddamn, is there some really good, really cool fireworks to go along with it? Um, Throughout the game, there was a lot of ball handling errors uh, on, on, you know, obviously on both sides being a snow game, but I saw a lot more uh, for Utah. Uh, What was killer, though, is that they would commit them during the onset of a lot of starter plays, you know, out of uh, basically, you know, uh, like out of the set piece a line out scrum, uh, what have you. And so they would lose a lot of these opportunities to create some momentum in, in offensive phases just because they would be immediately turning it over or going into the scrum where Rooney had the, you know, quite clear advantage. Um, despite a few of those aforementioned handling errors though, I thought uh, Rooney's line work in the passing game was really, uh, was really good despite the conditions they were able to, <clears throat> sorry, they were able to get the ball out to a lot of their playmakers and um, you know, they, they played good, they played good rugby. You know, it was it, it was at least entertaining and it was efficient. Uh, you know, and there's you know, I just want to say Dylan Fawcett is one of my favorite rugby players in M L R right now. Uh, the dude is an absolute beast on on the field, both de- uh, defensively and offensively. But God damn, do I love to see that dude make some tackles because he put he puts his body into it. He it's a really really good form tackles on that guy.
1: You know, th- this is this is what you expected. I-, I was just looking at at some of the. the the stuff that you know we have access to with our jobs and uh jibs so does does utah in a lot of ways remind you of glendale i I, as in well glendale at the beginning glendale the first three matches they played
2: that that's a lot better of a comparison and yeah, it's it's kind of like how I said, where like Utah is, it, like they look good while n- not being very productive, and I felt like that was Glendale. Um, you know, gl- a lot of Glendale's issues in the uh, like in, in the beginning of the season, where they would have these great um, offensive phases, they would have a few splash plays, but they weren't good at you know uh, at maintaining possession. Uh, they you know, and they had a lot of issues, especially in discipline. Um, a few of those discipline issues still show up, but they've kind of gotten so that it doesn't completely ruin a lot of these productive offensive phases uh utah it's it's not so much their discipline it's just it's it's just errors it's you know it's it's not it's you know it's knock-ons it's you know um it's you know overshooting in the line out It's, it's it's a lot of these things that it's kind of it's hard to win a rugby game if you consistently make these kinds of mistakes
1: well, they're, they're definitely not similar to Glendale in the amount of penalties they concede. I will tell you, nah, nah. but, uh, but you know, this game really expected it. Snow rugby was nice and loving the snow rugby. Keep it coming. Uh, I know our, at least one of our Canadian friends seems to hate it, but, uh, you know, you know, I am all about the inclement weather games, whether it's in the mud or not, uh, snow rugby is the second kind, uh, just do it in a little bit warmer weather, you know it was actually pretty nice uh on friday i as I understand from some of our listeners uh if you had a blanket and some hot cocoa it was a it was a good time uh you know uh, when it when it comes to this uh, it's uh the i guess the inside information is uh you know mike tolkien he's a he's a hard man, and uh well New York they practice outside. Uh, So something about being tougher than your opponent or coaches just making players suffer in poor conditions so that they perform in good conditions. Uh, Their attack really seemed to be humming along. Uh, Cajal Marsh ends up going off early with an injury, and we see something really cool in Chris Matina being able to slot over in at fly half because I've been wondering what their answer would be if Cajal Marsh went down uh, when it came to uh, a reserve fly half and Chris Petito, you know, he went five of six in goal kicking his distribution in attack was very well. Uh, at, you know, when it came to running that backline and his defense was also very good. Uh, Utah, you know, I think they're finding their way, uh, but they just didn't, they, they didn't take this one uh, outside. However, outside of John Cullen though, I, I think he's a real engine for them as... Was he captain on Friday or was he vice captain? Uh, John is a big leader for them. Uh, I think he's a sergeant in the Army National Guard, so there you go. Uh, but for some of these guys, it, it was rough. Their scrummaging is doing pretty well. But whose scrummaging is actually getting very good uh, is New York's because their first couple of games, uh, you know, their props were not having a good time. They were getting beat. Uh, and it's really important the longer the season goes, that your prop stable is able to uh, provide that attacking platform uh, for your scrum half and your number eight to really run, uh, you know, that set piece of attack on restarts. Uh, you know, I, I can go through this. Uh, you know, it's really nice to have a center that can uh, blitz through the line Take an intercept try, I think it was 65 meters in Mark O'Keefe. Uh, he's also a very good distributor, uh, working with uh, Cajal Marsh and uh, Connor Wall Sims, providing the try assist to Connor Wallace Sims for the first score of the game. So he was involved in three different tries, two of his own. Uh, you know, he really got after it uh, on the weekend.
0: It was a lot of fun for sure. It's always good to see some of that uh, snow rugby. Got to love it.
1: Oh yeah.
0: All right. As I was saying earlier, Austin and uh, Raptors faced off. Um, This one was in Glendale and uh, yeah, it went pretty much how you'd expect a Austin versus Raptors game to go. Uh, (laughs) I kind of compare it to that guy, you know, in life who, who's a, you know, a decent person and just, no matter what they do, nothing ever works out for them. <laughs> nothing goes their way. That's kind oh, of Austin this year, honestly. I feel kind um, of attacked, Corey. Not going to lie, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, Glendale, or Austin was in Glendale on Saturday and uh, was handed a almost 20-point loss. 38-19 was the final. Um, Aaron, you want to start us off on this one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's there to, again, another one of those things that you expect? Raptors put up another uh, match over a 1,000 meters made. Uh, Austin had to make over 200 tackles. Oh, my. Uh, I think the Raptors are starting to come a little bit. Uh, When they make turnovers, it's not really affecting them because they're able to convert uh, at the right time. Uh, Their scrum is working very well uh when it comes to their lineout. Austin's usually had a pretty good lineout. But guess what? Brendan Daly goes up and battles against uh Rika Swart and uh the captain um Mitchell Ben Mitchell and and steals one from them really disrupting their set piece whether it was uh being able to take a steal away or just make it a bad lineout uh overall uh Glendale's getting after it uh there when it comes to how their kicking game is concerned uh, look at like dylan taikato simpson is able to run the ball very effectively and then put it into play he had over 300 meters from his kicks it's just uh i guess i'm really concerned about what happens when their players come back carlo denisian bottom Alifa, they're really running this attack very well. And then you're going to have guys like Malon Aljabori come back, who wasn't starting, but he was coming off the bench. And then you're going to have, you know, Hanko O'Hammishai, who just had a really good tournament uh, in the ARC over five games. And, you know, how are these guys going to bed in back into this side? Uh, are, Are they still going to be the Glendale Raptors that has, has started to hum. Will they be stronger? Definitely. I think that experience uh, from all four of those players, especially uh, in Will McGee and Sean Davies, is, is going to be an upgrade, especially for between Sean Davies and Carlo Denizhen. Adam Malifa. he's an old war horse, so he probably has a little bit more experience than Will McGee. But uh, I didn't know that Autumn was going to be this good. So that really says that you know if they do uh if they do need an answer at fly half they've got autumn alifa backing will McGee up and they've also got robbie petzer who can play fly half at a high level if you need him to so uh Austin Mo Mo Abdelmano, like whoa he had mm-hmm. four breakdown steals like he's a
2: very large individual too I,
1: so he so I would they're not the same, but I would I would say he and Hanko are roughly like the same type of player. Hanko's a little bit taller, but they're they're big. They are big guys for their size, for their height. And you know they play with this reckless abandon. Uh, Mo had, I think 14 tech, I on. I don't want to be wrong here. Uh he had 19 tackles uh so when when but like i said there were plenty of uh there were plenty of opportunities to tackle because glendale had over a thousand meters made
2: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, glendale so this might not be surprising glendale actually had 58 percent of the possession advantage and a full seven minutes more of attack time. So they obviously had more opportunities. They were, they were great at retaining possession. Um, You know, despite the, the couple of breakdown steals that Mo uh, had throughout this game, Austin really couldn't force any kind of turnovers or kind of, or get the wind blowing into their own sails when it came to actually, you know, having the ball in hand. Um, You know, I I was saying to some people uh, earlier this week, Austin, they, they have really talented pieces. They have like, They have really good looking pieces, but I think all those pieces belong to different puzzles. You know, it's like that big box that everybody had in their game room as a kid. You know, that's just you have pieces of the puzzle that's like thrown into this box. But like one's like a Thomas the Tank Engine uh, puzzle. The other one's like, you know, some big, beautiful, like, you know, you know, landscape and both those puzzles like they look great, but you can't fit them uh, together. So something's not gelling in Austin, and it's not looking good. Uh, Even though, like I said, they have players with all the talent in the world.
1: But I will uh, point out that this was their best game of the season by far. uh, When it came to how their attack worked, but it still was at the like in spurts at the wrong time. You know, their defense. Their defense has been there, but they just could. They've been able to get nothing done. Uh, do do we see something? Like I said, I, they're going to win some games, but their winnable games beca- are becoming less and less at this point. So, uh, with that long homestand that they've had, they're gonna they're gonna need to figure it out very soon.
2: Yeah, honestly, the only the only games that like I can truly see Austin winning at this point um, is their upcoming matchups with Houston and Utah. Um, you know if those if those teams keep going on the tracks that uh you know yeah yeah those teams are just like sorry i'm looking at the freaking chat on the side stop that aaron Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah no but uh I, i i can see utah getting two to three wins on the season um i don't see a winless season god forbid that happens but um yeah i'm but when it comes to San Diego, Toronto, Rooney, Glendale, I don't think it's going to be happening. Oh, uh, it's I, going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting now that every team is playing each team twice. How are teams going to respond when the rematches come about? That's going to be really cool. To I, see. I will point uh,
1: out that other than, I would say the rematches, other than like eh, maybe not even New York, basically all the rematches come in better weather, except for if you were playing. Uh, no, I, I would, you know, someone said, you know, what happens when Nola goes on the road? I was like, well, they're they're, they're basically going to get the same weather that they had all year, which was kind of nice for rugby, rather than last year playing in hell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you underestimate the weather in the northeast, my friend. Well, believe what? me. People have-
1: in, in, May? Ru- in May? In May? In May?
2: Shh, do not tempt the rugby gods, you fool! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've seen snow in June in my lifetime, man. You yeah. don't even—I
1: <laughs> well, mean, I, I've seen snow in June, but that was in Montana, so
2: that's a different. I mean, that's a you, different uh, situation. <laughs> I mean, you—you've probably seen parking meters like melt, like on the sidewalk. Have you not? Is it? Isn't it that? I've heard stories of of your of your heat down there. Well, they kind of—they
1: kind of—they don't melt because most of them are made out of metal, but they depending on the day they stop working. I'll tell (laughs) you that. Hey, uh,
0: Josh, uh, who's Denver-based, was actually at the match. Uh, I was curious, Josh, what you thought, uh, what you saw at the Raptors Raptors match there.
3: Um, I I will say Mo is definitely, in his first start, is already one of the better Austin Elite players. Um, Frustration can definitely be seen boiling over, as evidenced by Tiana Rasmus. throwing the ball on John Ryberg's face. That was an interesting moment.
1: How about John Ryberg getting a haircut? I, no, how about Cecil Garber getting a freaking
3: haircut, man? I don't even... <laughs>
1: don't I'm not, not
3: going to lie. I didn't really notice that big of a difference. I also wasn't paying that much of attention either.
1: Well, he had, let's just say, his like combo with his haircut and the beard. It, it was... I would say he looked... He he looked like this Romanian referee that that refs out here. It's it was it's kind of funny, but yeah. So there you go.
3: <laughs> no, it's just it was pretty much Glendale from the start. I mean, Austin had their chances. They had their momentum going for them, and then they almost just gave it away. Um, Rodrigo Silva scored in the corner, I believe. Yeah, it was Rodrigo Silva, and. They had the opportunity to pile onto that and they didn't. They let Glendale walk the halftime with the penalty kick on the halftime mark. So that's just awesome for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, Josh, what's the attendance been like for the first two games of the season?
3: Um, last week's attendance was actually surprising considering how crappy the weather was. I'd be generous saying a thousand. Um this week I'd say fifteen hundred,
1: two thousand. I thought but, you got I thought attendance looked like compared to last week, it looked pretty good. Uh it, com- comparatively when I think about what the attendance was last year. The hard
3: camera side it definitely was. Um Aaron and to answer your question, no, they would not do anything about the VIP section.
1: So it's gonna be seventy-five dollars a match.
3: <laughs> last year it was like a hundred and ten.
1: I thought it was seventy five. It is. I would say I don't know. I don't know what you get in the VIP section. All I know is it's expensive, and there is like a six seven hundred seat gap.
3: I'd say I'd say maybe four to five.
1: Whatever. There's there was there's like six (laughs) people sitting in the section, and that's because the rest of them are all inside at the bar. Oh well. I will say the hospitality in there. When I did go in there uh, after the game, after the semifinals, the hospitality in there is kind of off the chain. They've got everything going. It's like a club. I think uh, the glitz, the glitter, and is it the rugby? And glit, is it the rucks and glit? The glitter and grit. The glitter and grit club. There you go. You've got, you've got I'm the not the gonna women. lie
2: that that kind of sound. Sounds like a strip club. Well, it's. I their- told you I worked at the glitter and grit. Wouldn't you? Would you be like, are you a stripper? <laughs> glitter,
1: glitter and grit is their women's outreach program. I, um, that's it. I, that's all I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah, <sighs> uh, I think it was the Denver Post had an article on. Uh, maybe it was one of the TV channels uh, stations in, up in Denver, but they were talking about Glendale as a city, and uh, the headline was something like. Uh three strip clubs, two dispensaries and one house. This is Glendale. <laughs> that sounds freaking dope, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Yo, uh, if if we're going to cool. talk about how <laughs> Glendale is laid out. So you've got you've got Infinity Park and then you've got these three luxury high-rises right next to it and then you go up another street and there's like all these st- all the stores. And so Target and a bunch of other stores together and across the street is the Holiday Inn. And, you know, on that road where all the stores are at is your three strip clubs. Like, it's a, for the record, you can walk from one end of Glendale to the other in 15 minutes. And uh, it's, yeah, it's longer. Yeah. So it's a rectangle. It's not very big.
0: But hey, they got a pro franchise. So yeah, right. <laughs> they're doing something right. I
2: mean, it, it, it's the Denver Raptors, man. I don't even want to freaking hear it. Like, that. They, they can call themselves Glendale all they want.
3: Colorado sounds better. But... Yeah. I guess so.
0: Higher all right.
1: Your marketing needs.
0: Well, uh, going from uh, Denver all the way out to Seattle. We had we had uh, the Houston SaberCats visiting the SeaWolves, um, and honestly, uh, Aaron, you mentioned this off the top, but this may have been uh, Houston's best performance all season. Honestly, I thought that they had a lot going for them. Uh, their defense showed some real resilience, um, especially within their own twenty-two. Um, on the other side Seattle um, must have been flinging fishes before the before the match or something because they could not hold on to that frickin' ball handling errors galore uh, in the end seawolves uh, just had too many weapons and uh, managed to have a really good 10 minutes at the end of the game to pull away uh, but it was I mean it was just one point difference all but the last 10 15 minutes of the match. So, Liam, you want to start us off with uh, some analysis of this one? This is kind of your expertise.
2: Not really, but I will. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we got dominated in possession, uh, 59% going to Seattle. They had a whole six minutes more of attacking for them. Uh, you know our territory percentage advantage continues to go up every week. You know which is it which is an odd sort of dichotomy between that, um, but it's obviously not resulting in any more points. Uh, you know it's it, it, it's just it's just really hard to watch sometimes because you see these phases where they're operating at a really high level. They have uh, they had some great inside passes. Their line speed was a lot faster. Joshua Vithy was on his game. Um, although there was definitely a few instances in which I wish he would have passed rather than take the ball in hand, but hey, that's Josh for you. Um, one thing I noticed was uh, Brock Stoller, uh, He he missed two or was it three kicks? Um, I think I no, I think it was two kicks on this game. That they you know had Seattle not had that crazy you know last ten minutes, they could have it could have been really two really crucial missed kicks. Uh, fortunately, their offensive phases were to, uh, able to pick up. A little bit of the slack. Uh, what I was most uh, impressed by was Houston's defense. Uh, they kind of adhered to the bend but don't break mantra, especially when they were backed up against their own try line. They forced some errors on Seattle's spot um, and they were able to get the ball back um, and, you know, contest in the lineouts. Um, they were really aggressive in the breakdowns, which is something that I think, you know, uh, we should probably be doing more more, more of. Uh, on the Seattle side, Eric Dushaw. that dude is just. He, one, he he just looks like a really fun guy to be around, but his play on the field is just something else. He's just he's everywhere, both offensively and defensively. He's got a really really long motor. Um, I reviewed the film just a few hours ago, and I can reassure uh, any Seattle fans out there that it was not a try uh, on, on a big. You know, how how long was that run? Probably like fifty plus meters. Um, yeah, he, he never got the ball down thanks to a uh, lucky tackle. I think it was by Pat O'Toole, uh, you know, and we were able to turn that into a possession into a, uh, a pretty productive, pos- uh, possession, um, at that as well. Um, in, t- in terms of the guys who were making plays for us, uh, Cecil Gaba, he was able to, Uh, He he was made a ton and ton of tackles. He was uh, like Duchal, He was on both sides of the ball, being effective. And this is all coming on the heels of cutting his mullet off and shaving off the porn stash. So there might be something to that. There might be kind of a rebirth for Cecil
0: in in that in that regard. Um, Jamie Beaver, is this like a reverse Samson situation here?
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, I will point out most people on the all bad hair team have not performed well. So. Dude, Blake Blake
2: Rogers is wearing that mullet crown right now, man. Like yeah, he he looks like, he, a, he looks like, like a high
1: the, school hockey player who just He's like wants the one guy. He's like the one guy on the Old Bad Hair team playing really well. <laughs> okay. Just saying yeah. the, the overarching on the on the whiteboard that is not in this room. Maybe I should go get one. But uh there's like five dudes on the Old Bad Hair team and uh you know, I I would see the results. is Connor are, Cook on that team. Seeing the results I, on the haircut, uh, on the post haircut so far, I would encourage haircuts. <laughs> well, yeah. Connor Cook, I mean, he's got like he's got the dreads that actually like work, like they like they're formed. So that's just a lot of work.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, one last thing I wanted to add about this game, though, uh, was the performance of Jamie Deaver. Uh, the um the loose head prop for the Houston sabercats this dude over the last four games in particular has been, has been performing out of his mind he runs the ball like he's a back at times uh it, you know and just like Joshua viti they commit two to three people even at times to bring him down which op- which ended up opening opening holes for his teammates that were in support uh this dude has been a huge force um in that all-irish front row um he's a big reason why the scrum for Houston has been one of its uh you know shining aspects of the season so far uh yeah no going forward i'm really excited to see what this dude's doing
1: when it came to the set piece for houston it was really weird to see this uh because uh based on what i've seen from the uh seattle scrum this season i think they've taken a step back but not really that they've taken a step back but more so that they are just where they are uh they have gotten a little bit better in the engine room with abby Nakatini and brad tucker uh but they did beat up the sabercats a little bit which i, I thought was surprising overall considering uh you know i'd really rate those props uh, a lot and uh Pat O'Toole, you know you talked about that i thought ben kraus called it a knock-on by duchelle I, I think that's. I thought he pl- I thought he called a knock on and played advantage, and that's where you get with the steal. I I don't know. I think that was what I was hearing. So on- so so when so when Eric came
2: down with it, he was extending right, but yeah. he um but the back of his hand, you know, came came down first, and it's and like like uh, like you said, it was knock on there, right? it rolled forward. So it was yeah. So it was this close to being a try, but unfortunately, so
1: that- so I mean, he, he knocked it on, and then uh and uh freaking oh well you know I I don't know Josh Josh out here telling me that Murphy's kicking it through his hand I don't know but either way Pat O'Toole pretty athletic grabbed that ball made a possession out of it I thought it was really good uh from O'Toole who you know is you know in that pool of eagle hooker prospects just trying to trying to get in
2: uh <laughs> Pat had a much better game offensively as well. though. Right. Uh, la- 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 last week versus Rugby United in New York, uh, he kind of disappeared on the off in the offensive phases. But uh, you know this this time around, you know the dude's mad athletic. You know, and he, he can move. Uh, you know, unlike some hookers that I know, and. Yeah, no, he, he can be effective when he has the ball um, in space, but in particular.
1: I'm not an athletic one, so I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, I look at this lineup, and this is a criticism. Uh, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you hard. Uh, compared to, uh, I, I did not think Alejandro Nieto uh, played that well uh, at number eight, and I really don't know, unless it's a fitness issue, I have no idea, given Aaron Schram's form, why he only played like, 20 minutes maybe I think let I me mean, look at this it was like because there was a significant energy change when uh Aaron Schram came onto the pitch yeah he only played 14 minutes so uh, this is a guy where you're like get, just get him on the pitch he just needs to be on the pitch that's that's my opinion uh but so there you know tactically the first half Houston made all the right moves, but they couldn't break the gain line where it mattered and convert for a try. Uh, you have, obviously, uh, Kalinasau's try, but that was an open field and, and, and really a broken play. Great on, you know, that. that I mean, that, Joshua that,
2: ran over some people. On, that was you know, that. On, so on the the way way that was that. Load, that though. was
1: like that That Paddle Tool lineout steal, uh, like which was crazy. And then, you know, it was fed out by Sam Windsor over to Joshua Vesey, who, you know, makes this nice offload in traffic. Cause you know, like I say, feed, feed, feed Josh, you know, feed him because he's that kind of guy who's going to make meters. And he did that. He made 140 meters and this offload <laughs> that he made, you know, resulted in a try. And that's just that, that in connection. But I, I don't even think it's just that it's just, he was in the right position and, was in the right position it could have been Mills or it could have been uh, you know Zach Panjalini because Zach Panjalini had a really good game when it came to uh, breaking the game line and making meters but when it, when it, when you when you talk about the sea wall that defense I don't even think they played that well the the transition defense from Seattle didn't play that well at all but when it came to holding down their five meter line they played very well. I mean, they they frustrated uh, the Sabercats when, you know, Sabercats were making meters, and I thought I thought it was going to turn, and it just didn't. It was really weird. Uh, and then part of that, uh, Sam Windsor misses two penalties, and it was just uh, – I think if Sam makes those, the momentum doesn't get shifted. But even so, they were still in this deep into the game until Sir Koya Burke-Combs – sort of comes out of nowhere, hanging it out on the wing. They're at the five-meter, and they just dish this ball out, uh, you know, on a couple passes, and he's he's actually, he's actually not that big of a wing. He's kind of a skinny guy, and he just squirts through that defense and dots down for a try. And that's really where the momentum shifted in this game uh, at, at the 72-minute mark in favor of the Seawolves. And then about two minutes later, you get this, uh, you know, Eric Deschau, Eric the beast. Makes himself be seen. And, yeah,
2: I mean, you no, know, that that's try. been an issue for the SaberCats all season, and, and especially last season, they just they allow these fluke ass uh, splash plays that just break the game open and put and, you know, and like and they it ups the deficit at just the wrong time in the match. So, you know, like it, it, it seemed like Houston when they were only down, uh, you know, by I think it was like seven points before that Duchal try, um, they no, a comeback totally looked, you know absolutely possible. Houston was starting to uh, move the ball a little bit more consistently. But after that, there was just not enough time. Seattle did a really uh, good job of chewing up clock by retaining the ball. It is It's is the same same old issue with the Sabercats week in and week out, I feel like that.
1: It was It's just really weird. I, I want to know if we can collect a stat that talks about shepherding on defense. Because yeah, Bur- Sequoia ends up being named man of the match. He didn't he made five tackles, really like really important tackles at the right points in the time. But I would say where he was playing defensively, he sort of like shepherded uh the running pattern of whoever, you know, was in front of him to allow to bring him inside even though maybe a Sabercats player was going in for support. He wasn't able to break containment on the wing uh, you know, to burn uh, Burt Coombs. So uh, I think he played uh, a significant portion uh, of the effort on defense, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, taking that stick and, you know, guiding uh ball carriers inside. Uh But, it you know, it was really, it wasn't a good game for anyone. I'll be honest. Well, for the Sabercats, I thought it was a good game overall based on who the competition was. But I, I think uh, Corey said the uh, basically it's uh the Seattle played ten minutes of a match and then won the game that's sort of sort of how I, I think that ended up happening um yeah it was, you know, it was tell really about it. it was a really bad game and you know they they got away with one
2: so <sighs> I mean, the I mean, not gonna lie. The best part of the match, though, was definitely when Osea scored that try, and Starfire was actually a little bit quiet for once. <laughs> just, nothing better than watching Seattle fans just gape at something that they didn't expect to happen. You know,
0: like an interception.
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: Uh, so the last game of the weekend was a real roller coaster. I would say uh, <laughs> Arrows uh, Toronto Arrows traveled all the way down to sunny San Diego to face off against the Legion and uh, this one yeah it went down to the very end it was uh, 27 to 20 Toronto win and I'm lovingly referring to uh, Arrows from here on out as the uh, Bracket Busters in honor of March Madness coming up soon. Uh you know, every single time we think that they're going to win, they end up losing. And uh, every time we think they should lose, they go ahead and win one. Uh, this is no exception. I think just about everybody had San Diego uh, taking this one. Uh, and clearly we were all wrong. Aaron, tell us, what,
1: how are we wrong on this one? What happened? Well, uh, you know, I, I was watching this thing and... You're just loving the way San Diego were playing. They're playing free-flowing attacking rugby built off you know their solid set piece. Well, you, you know that the Arrow's defense is pretty good. Uh, they they just kept it within reach uh, pretty much until the last 30 minutes. And then Avery Ouderman, the and I hashtagged it the Oiteman Empire, however <laughs> – I was the first person to hashtag it what <laughs> i did not i did not come up with it the Ottoman empire thank you brian ray uh is the second player hashtag uh that we got after brock stoller um you know like ottoman Ottoman. you know
0: I, I get it i get it <laughs> so you know it's, t- it's clever how's that how's that working for you
1: uh toronto Scrum. you know i i compared to with how they played last week in the snow um against uh it, they played very well but they it didn't get them anything uh last week but it got them something this time they had the pieces uh they they didn't I wouldn't say they dictated the tempo but they had they maintained parity throughout the match here in this set piece and then in the line-out... It it just, they forced tactical errors by San Diego early in the first half, which is what kept this game within reach. But then in the second half, you know, like I said, getting the ball to Avery Oiteman twice, uh, you know, he scores two tries. And then the icing on the cake really uh, is uh, Andrew Quatran goes over the try line late in the game, uh, you know, for the big boys up front uh scoring the last try off a Pete Milazzo assist and uh, what this was about. And here's to sort of a deep dive into things that don't make sense for most people, but make sense for idiots like me. Um, so this is how close this game was. Meters gamed, San Diego, 592, Toronto, 573, line breaks, three, San Diego, five, Toronto. Uh, you know, Meters kicked 698 on 24 kicks for San Diego, 578 on 18 kicks for uh San for Toronto. And normally there's a big difference in meters gained on kicks with San Diego with who they've played. Passes 139 to 124. But this is where it gets interesting. Defensively statistics are really identical. Mm-hmm. 91% may- tackles made 178 tackles made for uh, San Diego with only 18 tackles missed. 179 tackles made with 17 tackles missed. So this game decided by a try, really close. However, yo San Diego, you can't have double the penalties <laughs> your opposition has. Okay, just 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 saying. Just can't have double the penalties.
2: You know and Aaron Aaron you said this game was mad close um, and honestly how close was it you you might you uh, you people might be asking 5050 split on territory advantage according to the official stat report issued by the league and you you don't ever see that it's always like some sort of decimal point like you know 48.2 or something like that now straight up 50 50 uh, percent on, on the uh, territory split um, or, well, with, 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 with the possession split uh San Diego they had the with 56%, still not even that much. Um each team had 19 attacking minutes apiece too, which is even, you know, even stranger on top of the 50-50 split on territory advantage. Um San Diego 592 meters gained uh, as Aaron mentioned uh to put him at 4.25 meters per pass. Toronto 573 meters gained to put him at 4.62 meters per pass. So Toronto was a little bit more productive in terms of the passing game, but you know, San Diego's comeback made that nil, no, I guess. Uh, as Aaron mentioned, San Diego specifically had 11 total penalties. There's your killer. That's when you give the uh, other team opportunities to score, and that's exactly how you lose a rugby game. Uh,
1: you know, it's it's one of those where I was like, huh. Well, uh, you know, I, I guess we're, we're talking about players missing for the ARC. Uh, you know, San Diego had – Players missing as well. Uh, Ryan Matias ends up being uh, scratched uh, on match day uh, with Dylan Osley going into in, outside center. Played well. Uh, Connor Kearns at left wing, uh, you know, played well. But, you know, you're still not missed. You're missing a bunch of first choice guys. Uh, Jordan Manajara goes out early. I think it was, I mean, I don't know. It looked like a pretty bad, uh, I think it was. it looked like a knee. I don't know. Um, but his first touch was a try. So uh, it, they just brought him in. Like, that was that was going to be huge. But, uh, you know, when, when it comes to this game, there was another key moment that I thought
2: was hilarious. What was that? And that was?
1: The backup Scrum Half or Toronto Arrows. All yeah. five foot... Hundred and twenty pounds of him. I I don't know, DiNardo. You're tiny. So uh, is is it just a short joke, dude? <laughs> like I, I felt like you were building up to something significant. No, 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 like, no. The build up is he was d- little. The DiNardo, build up is he
2: doesn't have a lot of up in terms of his stature. That that's what. So, the build so DiNardo's is. like
1: a hobbit, and he tries to pick a fight with Sioucy Mahoney, all 6'8", 280 pounds of him and i was just i was like oh man you're lunch you are lunch and it it didn't go anywhere it would have been he was just being a scrum half it would have been interesting to see how that uh how that would have gone but you know there's there's always those moments where a scrum half um tries to start a fight with a forward <laughs> it's tradition you can't buck with
0: tradition yeah right <laughs>
2: Scrum, scrum, right. scrum halves are always right, man. Don't yeah. you know?
0: Just ask him. Uh, it is that special time of the show when we get to uh, eat our crow on our predictions from last week. So we didn't eat a whole lot of crow this week, though. No, I mean you know we'll we'll take what we can we can get out of this one. Mild crow, mild uh, Karen, crow.
1: You you we have to put some some maple syrup, uh, on it. Apparently.
2: Some real maple syrup, though. None of that Mrs. Butters Buttersworth shit. Straight out of Vermont.
0: All right. First game Friday night was Rooney at Utah. Final score forty-seven to twenty-one. Aaron, you had Rooney by four. Uh, Liam had Rooney by fourteen. I had Rooney by two. Woo! Uh, so I Liam, you win. were yeah, you were the closest there. Good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday. We had Austin at Glendale, uh, final score 38 19 in Glendale's favor. Uh, Aaron, you had 10 points uh, to Glendale. Liam, you had nine points to Glendale, and I had 14 points to Glendale. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday was Houston at Seattle. And uh, once again, we all picked Seattle on that one. Final score is 27 14 Seattle. Aaron, you had them by nine. Liam had them by five. I had them, had Seattle by 20. Uh, for the Toronto at San Diego match, wh- this is the one that we all uh, we all got busted on. Uh, we all picked San Diego. Uh, the final score is 27-20 in Toronto's favor. We said, Aaron, you said San Diego by 10. Liam, you said San Diego by three. And I said San Diego by 10.
1: Well, uh we gotta we gotta give out a shout out to listener and follower Steve Monteith. Uh you can follow him at Steve Ronmon. Uh he lives in Alberta. Uh he says hundred percent tacos, hundred percent Canadian and hundred percent rugby. So is that like hundred percent sort of Mexican? I don't I don't know. That's
2: I, I don't even follow so I well, guess. It, it, it,
1: it was on Twitter, so shout out to Steve Monteith for giving a stick and being right about the Arrows win. Um And, no, Brian, I know you're going to listen to this, but you are not a rugby domus because you still got that Utah pick so bad, so wrong.
0: <laughs> uh, then the final prediction round was uh, for the Can-Am game, USA versus Canada. Uh, Final score was USA 30, Canada 25. We all had uh, USA winning on this one, and actually we were all really close. Uh, Aaron, you said by six. Liam said by seven. I said by three. So, yeah, we were all right in range on that one. We knew it was going to be a close game, and look at that. It was. Uh, So, Aaron, you want to take us through the MLR standings after round seven?
1: Uh, Well, with, uh, you know... Uh, San Diego getting, I guess, what was it, a bonus point loss being uh, within seven. I think that's what it was. Uh, uh, You know, uh, they end up still – they had the chance to go back to the top of the table. They did not. Uh, Nola, idle this last weekend, stays at the top of the table with 21 points. uh, Tied at second on the table, but there is a tiebreaker uh, for this. Uh, with 20 points each is Seattle Seawolves and uh, Glendale Raptors. The Seattle Wolves are 4-2, and two, so the win-loss differential is your first tiebreaker. Uh, and then, uh, yes, the win-loss differential for San Diego at 4-2 and two is greater. But guess what? Uh, bonus points matter. So, or table points matter. And then uh, at 5th, uh, you've got with at four and one but only with 18 points is uh, Rugby United New York at three and three uh, Toronto errors er- 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 arrows sorry about that uh, with 16 points on the table uh, and uh, Utah uh, just just skidding right now uh, one three and one. Uh, with seven table points and the Sabercats were unable to get a final score in to try and get uh, a losing bonus point. They're uh, continuing their skid at one and four with six table points. And Austin remains the loneliest number with zero wins and only two table points.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It- you know the uh the top of the chart is really stinking close and then it's just like it just falls off at Utah falls to the floor so yeah it, it
2: goes from 16 points at Toronto to 7 points at Utah so
0: yeah that's a pretty steep cliff right there uh, i think we we definitely have a a good battle going into the second half of the season for the top 4 spots uh but yeah i think we We pretty much know where the bottom of the table is going to finish at this point. So, barring miracles. So, maybe there'll be a miracle this week, which brings us to Week 8 Preview. So, uh, we start Friday night off with uh, Toronto traveling to Rooney. And I think this is a pretty uh, anticipated game, at least in my opinion. We've got, uh, you know, the two expansion teams meeting up in the north. This will be the first game in New York uh pretty exciting stuff uh this is going to be uh live at 7 p.m eastern on espn
1: plus no,
0: that's
1: horrible because uh you know living in arizona um time change although we don't spring forward we change time zones so man I'm have to record that
0: so that's going to be like noon your time right
1: yeah, something. <laughs> something
0: like uh, what's your predictions for this one, guys?
1: Uh, you know, the Arrows could win this. They really could, uh, especially the, if all the guys they get back from the ARC are healthy. But I'm going, uh, providing Cajal Marsh is able to go uh, New York minus five. They've really improved in the scrum. They've got dynamic uh, backs, and they've got dynamic uh, back row players. They can... They can win this at home and really set the tone for their homestand coming up to, uh, you know, really push the rugby message in New York this spring.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with Rugby United in New York minus nine. Uh, I agree with Aaron. I think the Toronto Airs could win this game, but I don't think they are. So, yeah, uh, Toronto, one of Toronto's big problems has been, defend, has been uh, defending ball movement on the outside, and that's where uh, Rooney has really been excelling. So, uh, you know, in the end, I think, yeah, this is this is uh, New York's game to lose.
0: And uh, I think we're going to, yeah, go – we're all going to go Rooney on this one. I'm going to say Rooney by five. But I do think it's going to be a tough game, and I think it's going to be a close game. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this one. Uh, also, real quick – uh, Victor uh, Perez from our sister show and La Melee uh, stopped by or gave me a call earlier and just wanted me to know or wanted you guys to know that uh, he's going to be at the match and uh, he'll tweet out his location a little bit closer to the game. So be sure to be uh, watching for that on the Twitters, but he'll be there. Uh, be sure to look him up. He'll be wearing a MLR beanie there at the match. So the second game of the weekend uh, features Seattle Traveling to Austin, uh, I think you guys can probably predict what our expectations on this one are. But uh, Aaron, what's your guess?
1: Uh, you know, I'm going Seawolves minus 10. I know it's not the, the point lines that you guys got. Uh, the issue really is I think Austin's going to be able to keep it close. Their, Seattle's attack is, is not nearly as dynamic as Glendale's is. Uh, however, it's they're going to lose this game. It's no, no I, there's, there's no way.
0: Yeah. What, what's uh, that number? What's
1: that number? Aaron? Minus Aaron? 10 Seawolves. Thanks. Yeah, I, I very
2: much agree. I'm going Seawolves minus 20 on this one. No offense, to the Austin players, but this, this is just get ready for Owen seven. You know, maybe, maybe the comeback starts after this game, but it's not starting this week.
0: Well, you never know what's going to happen on the road. That being said, I am going freaking huge for Seattle. I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to win by 30. (laughs) Because why not? Wow. Uh, And I forgot forgot to mention before, that is going to be on Facebook Watch at 7 p.m. Eastern. At 8 p.m. Eastern, also on Facebook Watch, is NOLA coming back from their bye week, traveling to Houston. Uh, What do you guys think on this one?
1: It's also on cube 57 I think that's the channel number yeah Houston if you are local so it is available via Lanier. Uh, Nola minus 10. Um, Nola scores a lot of points uh, it could be bigger if their defense decides to play uh, mm-hmm. but uh, they've they've played most of their games pretty close but what they can do on attack versus what you can do on attack is significantly better. So usually they score like 40 or 50 and you score about 30 or 40. So uh, that that seems to be the game plan for the NOLA gold. So NOLA minus 10.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with the Houston Sabercats upsetting NOLA. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with Houston upsetting NOLA minus two. I think this is the week where he starts to get things together. Uh, people are really motivated going into this next week. We can practice. I know this for a fact. Uh, you know. Also, you know, with all the Irish players on this team, uh, and Coach Fitzpatrick included. You know, in St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, hey, you know, luckily Irish could come through on this one. Houston SaberCats minus two.
0: He he, Fitzies is standing right behind you right now, isn't he? That that's that's where this prediction is coming from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 he uh, wants I'm gonna, to play
2: mummy or daddy with
0: me <laughs> uh i'm gonna go uh nola by 20 on this one just because they have been playing some really good rugby and they have got guys that can move the ball really stinking fast so it'll be uh it should be a fun game it should be a lot of scoring like aaron pointed out so i'm looking forward to it as well uh final game also on saturday and so um just to update us, we got seven, a 7 o'clock start, an 8 o'clock start, and then a 9 o'clock start Eastern Time Saturday uh, is San Diego traveling to Glendale. And this is going to be on 9news.com as uh, the live stream, uh, or in the Glendale-Denver area, you can check it out on the NBC affiliate 9news. Uh, so, uh, Aaron, what do you got on this one?
1: Uh... I don't know. I was really – I'm I'm sort of on the fence, uh, but they will get uh, some – well, did they get anyone back? Hmm. I might have to change this pick, but I'm very confident San Diego is going to play well. Even though they're at altitude, I'm going uh, – you know, San Diego minus five. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think defense is really not going to matter, but Glendale is going to put up all. Glendale's going to do what Glendale does. They're going to put up a thousand meters and they're going to cough up the ball 15 times and San Diego is going to be able to get away, uh, you know, with an unconverted try more because, you know, their props carry a bit better and their, their back row right now. Well, I would say their combination of their back row is better. Uh, Psalm Wuching has really developed. I think he missed out on a lot of development uh, last season. Uh, I think he was injured, but it, it, if he had been healthy and played in the MLR, he would have had a significant amount of like coaching that was input and he would have gotten better. And I think he's blossoming really well, uh, at San Diego. Uh, but when it, I think they just, I guess when it comes down to it, Joe P- Peterson is still better than Will McGee. And, uh, I love Will McGee. He's one of my favorite people, but, uh. He's just more creative. It's, it's, but like I said, we'll see. But San Diego minus five.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'm going to go San Diego minus five. I think they play a, uh, a little bit. <laughs> I think they play a little bit of a faster game. And I think uh, Glendale's going to make the mistake that's going to really cost them. I think uh, San Diego is just really tight on both sides of the ball. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I think, uh, just, just to make Josh happy, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, predict Glendale to win on this one. You're uh, a minded Corey. I am. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I think the Raptors are still the Raptors and I think they, uh, especially since they'll be back to full strength next week. Um, I don't know. I, and San Diego, of course, uh, lost last week. So we don't know where, where they're going to be in their headspace. So, I think it's possible that uh, Glendale will win. I'm going to put them up by seven on this one.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I will I, I will make a statement here. The, the Raptors are still the Raptors. They did get better. I think they will make the playoffs. But uh, San Diego is going to beat you this weekend.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. We'll see what happens on Saturday. So that does it for our preview. Uh, normally, we finish the show each week with some uh, questions from Bob. You guys, uh, you guys up for it?
1: Lightning round, anyways? yeah. Let's make it quick.
0: It's yeah. It seems like that's kind of the uh, the status quo here. We're doing lightning rounds every week. So, yeah. All right, starting us off, Johnny twenty four eh, wants to know: Are the arrows actually good or not? Sort of, maybe.
2: I don't know yeah i'd say they're good you know they have they have so many cap canadians they got a pretty good scrum uh they're middle of the pack they're good but they're
0: not great okay uh conky 2195 is old glory dc allowed to use adidas as a sponsor uh this is for their kits that they released pictures of this week instead of exploits i have no idea the
1: answer is they can wear whatever the heck they want in the exhibition season because they're only an associate member. They, are, they sit on the board, they vote, they're on committees, but they are not fielding a team in Major League Rugby competition. So uh, design and all that stuff takes time. Uh, if you notice, uh, the Free Jacks have an unbranded kit. So there you go. Ayul wants to
0: know, do you have any info about the format of next season?
1: No clue. Season seems set at 16 games regular, though. I don't have any
2: matches, but it's looking likely that there might be uh, two divisions in the league next year.
0: East and West, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, SD Yeti. Uh, is there a Legion injury status?
1: Um, mm. so Manihara? Uh, ac joint sprain apparently uh everyone yeah else had no idea
2: yeah i got i got no info on
0: that v wolf in another thread today this is over on our reddit page give a plug for it reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby mm-hmm. uh, someone mentioned players not kidding up for a given week sometimes playing for local clubs is this
1: a real thing uh, it is, but there is a limit. Um, uh,
2: yeah, da- down down here in Houston, uh, there's a few players, like in particular, um, you know, Kieran Farmer, um, Joe Kelly, Matt Almeida, um, you know, and uh, Irv- Irving Card Camo. All you, uh, all those guys will uh, typically suit up for the West Houston Lions if they don't make the twenty three. Uh, but yeah,
1: important to to know that the the clubs. Well, I guess the, the NCC, some committee at USA Rugby said that if you uh, end up playing four matches uh, for your professional team, uh, you are no longer able to suit for your club the rest of this season. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So those, uh, those players may be going away sooner rather than later from the club scene. Indeed. Uh, final question, Clutch0364, has anyone heard any news or rumors about Tony Lamborn? Um, no. No. What was the situation there? Remind me.
1: Uh, he got injured. I mean, that's about it.
2: <laughs> it happens in rugby sometimes, you know? People, People do get hurt.
0: All right. And I think that does it. So on our way out, you guys have
1: any final thoughts? Um, nah. Um, have a good one, guys. Keep it real. Uh, I, I'm i told that the World League will have some more BS this week. Um, there's – yeah. So I, I guess we're all going to have something else to get pissed off about later in the week. So there's that. I get to make, make more memes uh right now i'm
2: considering uh, I'm, I'm considering whether or not i want to finish the work that i have to do tonight in the morning um i, I should know from high school through college and everything that's never a good idea
0: Kind of want to just go to bed come on there's got to be a red bull in the fridge somewhere if by red bull you mean miller light <laughs> no, no no that that nope, that takes you the wrong way you need to go up not down For loco i'm
2: not 16 anymore unfortunately i i honestly think i would have a heart attack
0: all right well thank you guys so much for joining us on our way out uh please note a couple things all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of major league rugby teams or the league Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam madigan Freed is employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabercats. Be sure to join us next week. We will be live on YouTube Monday night and available on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube channels and our iTunes feed. It helps us uh, get discovered by other folks. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And uh, one final plug, please, please, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. That does also help folks find us, and we will read that out on the show. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next week. Until then, watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider and always online at beerfullofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.